This is a new Paradigm of Education podcast. I'm your host, Monique Sayers, along with co-author Trudy Keating of the best-selling book, A New Paradigm of Education. The world as we know it is rapidly changing, and with that comes the birthing of a new paradigm of education. We all know the old tale of sitting in front of a desk, bored, overwhelmed, checked out. That's the old paradigm of education. I'm still surprised that this is happening today, yet I know for certain that there's massive changes possible within education, and it's already happening now. In this podcast, we will, we will explore some practical solutions and inner wisdom that will allow us to co-create education together. It's not just about talking to education leaders, because that's the old paradigm. It's about inviting parents, coaches, teachers, educators, thought leaders, and businesses with innovative ideas to come together and to co-create a new paradigm of education, because after all, we are all educators. So thank you for joining us. Today, we have a very special guest with us, and her name is Gemma White. She's from the UK, and she's a mother of three. Um, She used to support, or she still does support children with special needs, and now she's decided to also support parents to support their children. She's the founder of the Facebook group Powerful Parent Project. So it is my absolute honor to welcome you today, Gemma. I'd love to hear a little bit about you. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Hello. Um, thank you, Monique. Um, yes, um, I'm a, predominantly a mum of three, and that is my most important role um, to date. But um, over the years, I have... Um, as you said, I've worked with um, many children with special needs in schools as a one-to-one. And um, this um, started when um, my son was very young and he was having issues at school. And um, I decided I, I wanted to help other children in schools as well. And this, the group that I'm, I run um, came about after hearing a lot of parents' experiences with their children in school. When I went through this with my son, I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't have any other parent that had gone through the same thing I was going through. Um, Today, because of social media, I think it's easier to to find other people that have been through the same thing. Um, And I decided I wanted to to set up a support group for parents. There are lots of support groups um, that concentrate on the parents working with the children, but my idea was to support the parent, the emotional needs of the parent, um, well-being, and also um, was to help empower parents to advocate for what their children need. Because in the UK at the moment, parents are really struggling because the waiting lists are so long for specialists and um, it's just empowering them to work with the school assertively and effectively to get everything their child needs. That's amazing. Um, I know Trudy you've done a similar type of thing maybe you'd like to reflect back with uh, Gemma about what you did with parents as well Um, during the pandemic you had you were supporting parents as well at that one moment. Yes, absolutely. I mean, when the pandemic struck, I, because I'm a private tutor, um, so I thought once the schools closed, that was it. You know, I wouldn't have to teach or I wouldn't be able to teach during that time. Uh, but I was absolutely inundated. Not the first couple of weeks, 
But it was after that first couple of weeks, you know, parents realized how hard that it was for them to try and educate their children. So my phone never stopped. I mean, I was teaching sometimes 12 hours a day. So I got really, really, really busy. But Gemma, as you said, parents were really in at the deep end. I mean, they were downloading all this stuff from, you know, the schools, but, you know, the, the homework that the schools were sort of forwarding them. They, some parents did not have a clue even where to start. And they were so overwhelmed. I mean, I had parents in tears. Basically, when I'd start the Zoom lesson with the child, I would actually speak to the mom for the first 10 minutes and just reassure reassure her that, you know, that, you know, she isn't a teacher and not to beat herself up over things that she wasn't able to do. I mean, that that isn't her job. I mean, you know, um, that, you know, that's a school's place to, to teach. Um, so, yeah, they were really, really overwhelmed, beating themselves up, blaming themselves because, you know, they felt now that the, the onus was on them to educate their child and them not able to. Um, and, and how long is this going to go on for? That was their biggest issue, you know. Week three, you know, and I, I can't do it. What's going to happen if this goes on, you know, for, you know, three, four, five months? So, uh, but, you know, I, I, yeah, the little chats that I had with them sort of reassured them that, you know, they were doing the best they could in the situation that now they found themselves in and you know and for the parents as well they would always you know sort of forward me the homework so at least that was done so they could actually send that back to the school but you're absolutely right I don't think anybody realizes how parents suffered on an emotional level and they really really didn't have anybody to talk to and it, it was really sad mm -hmm. Wow. So, um, Gemma, I wanted to ask you then, so like what brought you to want to be able to support the parents? Like what was kind of that trigger within you that said, I'm going to just rise up and, and help them? It was, um, as I said, the time I was going through this, I mean, with my son, it lasted through primary school all the way to secondary and um, by year eight of secondary school, he was permanently excluded. And actually it went beyond then because he was then referred to different places and it just felt like nobody wanted him. I felt such a failure as a parent. I felt the people I was speaking to were teachers. They were specialists. They were um, just not, not coming from my shoes, if you get what I mean. They, you know, they, they'd seen this, but it hadn't happened to them. They didn't know how I felt and how I felt very judged. And I know may not have been directly, but I did feel like people were looking at me and judging me and um, criticizing me. And I mean, I was sent on parenting courses and think, you know, because sometimes people assume it's bad parenting. It's not always the case. Um, with my child, I, because of my experience working with children with special needs, I knew there was something that was, wasn't quite right. And I kept getting told, oh, no, he's just a little bit behind. He'll catch up. Don't compare him. And I was kind of fobbed off for quite a long time. 
Um, and I didn't push. And this, this is why it went on for so many years, because I used to just say, okay, then you're the teacher, you know what you're talking about. And then I would go home and then wait and wait for communication. And it didn't come. Um, we were promised things that didn't happen. And I look back now and I get quite angry with myself because, you know, why did you not stick up for yourself? Why did you not, you know, really push for what he needed? I kind of sat back and, and felt sorry for myself and felt like a failure. And I had no fight. And I think, yes, the emotion, the emotional side of it, it makes you want to give up and not fight. But I want to explain to people that the the school have lots and lots of children that are their, you know, their priority is a lot of children. Your priority is your child. So you need to go and you need to remind them that what they need to do. You need to follow up on everything because quite often I was told things and then they forgot and, you know, and I understood they were very busy. Um, but it was just me accepting it all and realising now that I shouldn't have accepted it. He was failed terribly and he, he didn't have a diagnosis until he was 14. By that time, it was too late. And um, this could have been picked up years before. And I did try to speak, but was silenced. And then I didn't attempt again. And this is where I feel that, I, you know, from day one, I should have done. It's one of my biggest regrets, but, um, you know, this is another reason why I want to help, you know, empower parents to, to keep going, to keep trying. Well, Gemma, you're absolutely right. I, I know, I really know where you're coming from as a parent when you're silenced, that you just, you almost think, oh, maybe I am, you know, overreacting. You know, the teachers are telling me things are okay. Or, you know, he's a little bit behind, but, you know, not to worry. Therefore, I shouldn't. Uh, but I'm absolutely amazed at what you're doing because you definitely, definitely are doing the right thing by educating those parents in your group not to be silenced. Because once a child stop, starts to fall behind, it's not just an issue falling behind all of a sudden their confidence goes they're looking mm -hmm. at their peers and they're not feeling as, as good as their peers and guess what then I, I know you know some schools I'm working with they actually then set up you know early morning reading with those children or take away their break times while somebody works with them but yeah. children are shut down by then mm -hmm. children are shut down by then they just feel failures as learners so putting them in extra reading classes and extra you know spelling classes and stuff like that they, they yeah they just have no belief in themselves as learners so all this extra work all of a sudden is no good you know we need to catch the children when we know that they're falling behind and we know it's difficult because you know you're, you're one teacher with a class of children however I believe in cases like that, teachers should really, really reach out and work with the parent as closely as possible. I really do. I really absolutely do. Because yeah. parents thought what's best for their children. Yeah, I felt very much like it was them and us. 
And when I went to meetings, um, I almost felt like the child myself. Um, I, I used to physically shake and I would be in tears sitting there feeling like I was being told off. And it's it just I felt so helpless and I didn't know what to do. And, and looking back now, um, what you're saying about once the children have disconnected, it was a period of time where my son would come out of the class, he would hide under a table or he would lock himself in the toilet. I would have phone calls at work to say, you need to come and pick him up. So in their mind, he was naughty. He was disobedient. But the way I see it was he was struggling and it was fight or flight. So with my son, he he got in trouble. He used to have meltdowns and he could be as he got older, he became quite verbally abusive. And other times he would hide and he would run away. On both those occasions, he would be met with confrontation. So if he hid away somewhere, and he, he actually explained this to me when he got older, he said, what used to really upset me was I would go somewhere because I needed to be alone. I needed some space, but somebody would follow me and keep talking to me and trying to, you know, they're coaxed, trying to coax him out. And then he would become angry and he would lose his temper. And he said, and then I got told off for that as well. And he, he explained it to me as he just didn't know what to do. He, and it's that fight or flight, isn't it? And he wasn't allowed to do either of those. I think for children who feel like that, they just feel there's no escape. Mm -hmm. And we know how traumatic that is for us if we're ever in a situation where we feel there's no escape. And also, I mean, you know, for us as adults, if we're in a work environment where, where we feel like that, we have a choice. We have a choice to either stay there or build up enough courage to just go get a new job somewhere else. Those children, they do not have that choice. They had to get up every single morning and go into that same school, that same class with that same teacher and group of children. They do not have a choice. I mean, just think about it. You know, yesterday was horrible. Now I have to do it again today and tomorrow for the next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I mean and nothing, nobody helping that child on an emotional level, but mm -hmm. expecting that child to perform academically. Yeah. And not have outbursts, it's wrong. It's absolutely so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. I mean, I know now here with, you know, with my tutoring, my private tutoring, sometimes I meet moms at the door and I'll say, is it emotional help today or academics? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 I give them a choice to find more. Um, you know, the texting between us is, is amazing because yeah, they really feel at a loss as well. Yeah. I, I love what you're sharing around that, both of you. Um, I love that you're, you know, you're asking them, is it what, what do they need? Do they need emotional support today? And acknowledging that. And I was just feeling into my own story, Gemma, I've had um, classes where I've had children react in different ways as well and hide. And um, 
And I just looked at them and I thought maybe they, they feel threatened by me because a lot of the time I'd be going there as a casual teacher for the day and they just wouldn't cope. They wouldn't cope seeing somebody new no matter how nice I was and offering yes. them different things. They, there was just this, you could see the flight, of, flight in their faces. And, um, yeah, I really, really feel feel for um, the situation. And, yeah, it's my dream that we can create these different type of schools I mean that's why this is the new paradigm of education podcast and the book and everything like that that there is going to be a pathway where I don't know that there's you know there's play interacted and there's this like you know engagement with everybody there's inclusion and I'm really interested to know um, if either of you had any solutions that you could share with parents or any tips or anything that, that may be helpful in these types of situations, what they could do to make the child feel better, or even the educators, what they could do. Does anybody have anything? Um, oh, on the spot. On the spot, sorry. I yeah, thought that, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, I, some strategies I used with my son that worked very well at home um was to when i i had an expectation from him and i would explain to him what i expected and what he needed to do so for example i needed him to clean his room and it's a non-negotiable he knows it's a job he has to do but i know also know that and I know myself, you're not always in the mood. You're not always, you don't always have the motivation. And in the past, it would cause meltdowns because trying to get him to do something. So I would explain to him what was expected, what would happen if he didn't do what was expected, but then give him some kind of choice. Um, it could be a frame a frame time say you know by six o'clock I would like this to be done um I know it, sometimes in schools it's very difficult to do something like that but I think choice is always so so the children have options they don't feel so restricted then um mm. there are yeah that and I know what it's like myself if someone says to me you need to do that right now it can be quite confronting um and giving children a bit of notice so in schools I suppose the way around that would be you know that we are going to do a lesson where you do have to sit and you have to write something for 20 minutes for example and that can be really challenging for children but to, for them to have some kind of warning, some kind of build up to it, um, I, I think may help um, so that they know what's coming. Thank you so much. What about yourself, Trudy? You're always full of these ideas. I love speaking with Trudy. Um, <laughs> I got to, got to know her quite closely through our writing of our book and she's just always full of wisdom. <laughs> Thank you, Monique. Thank you. I mean, I absolutely love children. I have been working with them for over 30 years. And yeah, I think I, w I could have taken every single child I've worked with home because mm -hmm. I think it's how you are with the child that, that makes all the difference. I mean, children really want to please. That, that's the only 
that's the only thing that I've ever found with children. But I've always, always understood as well that, like, if they were being a little bit, uh, I don't want to do this, instead of making them do it, I sort of, we, we talked about it. Because, you know, they, especially, you know, since I've become um, a private tutor, you know, it's extra work for them. So I don't want them coming here and also being stressed and not wanting to be here. So I find out what they want to do, and then I sort of put the learning in there you know, in what they want to do. So I've had real great breakthroughs with children who are not able to read. And so parents are as well. I have, I am working with the best parents in the world. I love my parents. They are so flexible. They're so trusting. They just drop the child off and say, you do what you do and we'll be back in an hour. Um, so for children who are finding it a real struggle to read, while they're watching all their other, all the other children in their class read well, and they're busy feeling really, really, you know, terrible about, about themselves again as learners. I say to the parent, when that child, when your child comes home tonight, you read the school book, but get him to tell you a story. So what the parents are doing now, they're actually writing the, a story that the child is saying. And then they just print that off and then the child reads his own story. And the, um, it's absolutely amazing how children are learning to read just by reading back their own stories. Number one, that story has meaning for them. They don't need any pictures because it's all their words. It's, you know, a day at the beach is everything they did. And, you know, I also get them to also circle like the great big words, you know, that, Gosh, you're only in year two and you can read all those big words and they just feel amazing. And so what we, what the parents are doing now, every story I do with them here like that, they keep reading the stories. Like, for example, week one, they'll go back and they'll read the story that we wrote in week one. Then week two, they'll read, they'll still read the week one story and the week two. Then week one, week two and week three. By the end of six weeks, those children can take any book in their class and they can actually read it because it's all to do with confidence. You know, 90% of the time when a child is struggling to read, it's all to do with confidence. And the way that, you know, the, the reading structure at the school is working is just not working for them. But, you know, any child is going to be able to read back a story that they themselves have just told you. It's a, you know, it has loads of meaning and they're able to do it. And it's magical how it, how it works. It's absolutely magical. Yeah. I really love that. Um, yeah. Trudy uh, first described this to me uh, when we were creating the uh, new paradigm of education book. And it was so powerful that I'm like, please include that in our book so that everybody can have access. So anybody out there who's wanting to have access to that tool, it's actually in there as well. It's really beautiful wisdom and it really works, doesn't it? To give children um, empowerment, confidence, and just to use their interests. Like it's so smart. Like why wouldn't you use their interests to get them interested? It just, it just, it's brilliant, right? It just, just, yeah, it just makes so much sense to me. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I wanted to ask you both, um, seeing as it's um, the biggest passion of mine is to be able to support the children for their highest good. And in that um, is the vision of creating what 
I envision as a new paradigm. I feel like the world as we know it now is moving into a new paradigm and we've seen it. We've seen it all over the place. We've been talking a lot about the old paradigm and the struggles in the schools. And what's beautiful is that um, people like us and and other people, educators or non-educators, as I said, everybody's all the same, that everybody's wanting to um, take a stand to help children for their highest good. So I wonder if we could do like maybe just a little – round of each sharing, you know, our own wisdom of what we imagine or, or wish in a new paradigm of education. Um, and yeah, I think that would be really powerful for our listeners. Um, and as our listeners are listening to also to be feeling that in themselves, well, what can we do about this conversation? It's great to talk about it, but what else can we do to to, to do that? And I think we've already started that by all talking about um, opening these doors to parents. You're both already opening doors to parents and giving small things. It's all those little things that we do that can shift into one massive global change um, for the world. And it's not like I'm saying that you are the wisdom keeper and you know everything about it all. I just mean we all know something within us that's like going to open up our hearts. Um, So I'll give my example. Um, So mine is like, so my vision of a new paradigm of education is a place where Everybody is awakened uh, because awakening for me means um, happiness and peace. And I'm talking about that level of peace and calm where it's like the educators, the parents, the children, it's all kind of the same feeling. Um, no matter where they are, whether in their in their home, whether in their school, whether they're homeschooled, whether they're world schooled, whatever they are doing. Um, I just know for a fact that when people are feeling at peace that they're able to finally take in information because there's no, what you're saying, Gemma, none of that flight or flight happening inside. There's no struggle. There's no worry. There's no anxiety. Like all of that just sort of goes when the peace is there from that place. There's happiness. There's curiosity. There's love. There's adventure. There's, you know, what do I want to learn? What do I want to do? And then the teacher is also there. Well, what, how can I support you to do that? Because everybody's coming from that place of peace and there's no pressure. There's, no kind of external forces where, you know, like we've had all these external forces of exams and we've had external forces of like, you know, the classroom's not this or that, or the, you know, this, you know, there's been all these kind of external things happening that um, we've had to kind of work with, like even the pandemic, we've had to work with that. Right. But I feel like being able to find that place of peace is really important. So my personal vision of this new paradigm is helping um helping children, helping educators to move into that place of um, mindfulness, if you wish to call it that, Um, and from there being able to to shine. (laughs) I want everybody to shine and be brilliant and to do it in a way that's like – is fruitful for them. It's not just like this packaged little way that they follow. It's like this way that um, is an opening and, well, what is it that I'm going to do and what am I going to create? And this will domino effect – and then the next generation will just be expecting schools to be that way. You know, we've expected it to be a certain way, but if that ends, they'll be expecting it to be another way. And if it isn't, they'll be like, what, I need to do this? It'll be strange to them because they're so used to it being this beautiful sharing. I don't know how else to describe it than that, but that's my vision. (laughs) Did anybody else want to share theirs or just even some tips or something that can open us up to that curiosity and that place of, well, anything is possible, right? In this paradigm. So. 
Yeah, I'll just give an example as well. Like yeah. I remember when I, when I was teaching as well. Like I always, always like to get the children outside of the classroom. So like, you know, the curriculum is there. As teachers, we have to follow the curriculum. But I think what, you know, teachers miss is a lot of the curriculum can actually be taught outside. And I mean, loads of schools here in the UK got absolutely fantastic outdoor areas and, you know, big fields, lots of trees and bushes and all that stuff. So if I had if I had to teach nouns and verbs in English in one week, we would grab our clipboards and go outside. And, you know, first of all, I'd say, okay, a noun is a person, a place, or a thing. I want you to go find 10 things and write them down. They go off in partners. And you would never, ever have to get crossed because they were, do, they were you know, doing something they didn't need to do. They were totally engaged. And then, you know, for things like leaves and stuff, they come back. They bring me the nouns. So like, the, the, and, and they knew what it was the week after, whereas, you know, just, you know, this is a noun, find five nouns in this piece of writing, when some of them probably couldn't even read. What was more exciting, it, like it's interactive, the learning was always so interactive. And then, for example, you know, if they found, I don't know, a bug, then we, you know, say, okay, let's get some verbs, what, 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 what can a bug do, you know? We do some exercises. We say, you know, what can your hands do? What can your, you know, legs do? So we were getting lots of verbs and lots of movement. And we'd go back into the classroom and, you know, they'd say, are we doing that lesson tomorrow? Because they loved it, you know, because it was just all outside. They chose their best friend, obviously. You know, they had their clipboards. And, you know, I never worried about, you know, spelling the words right or anything like that. And even if they wanted to draw what they found, that was okay, too. So learning is absolutely everywhere. It's everywhere. And children and their imaginations, they absolutely blow my mind. Because they always come up with a way that we can learn it. But can we learn it my way? Yes, of course. Tell me. You know, they're all, children are all for learning. It's just when they're so constricted they, their little brains just shut down, I believe. You know, when you interact with learning, when we interact with learning, we get a lot more out of it. But, you know, when we're forced to do something, like Gemma said, yeah, something something goes wrong, <laughs> you know, when we're sort of told this is what you're doing. Well, no, let's see what you think about it. You know, can you come up with a few ideas? They, they're full of ideas when they're allowed freedom to just think. I, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. The, um, some of the best lessons I've um, witnessed being there for each other. I think just having one person to talk to that is going through the same thing can help enormously, enormously even if nothing else. And I like to give as much value as I can to parents in all situations. That's so beautiful. I'm sure many parents will be so thankful to be able to go into your group and to not only be in the group, but to be actually connected with you as well. That is so beautiful. And I love that it's a mastermind that um, that in itself is a new paradigm where we take our hats off as educators and we throw them away and we're like, okay, we are all educators. <laughs> what can we do to serve? How can we do this together? And let's rise. And I think that's just so super beautiful. Um, 
And I wanted to actually just mention as well about you, Trudy. I just love what you do with um, havening. Do you want to share with that? It just lights me up every time you want to just explain to people what is havening before we wrap up as well. Yeah, so I'm a havening therapist. And believe it or not, every time I mention that I'm a havening therapist, people always say, what is that? So basically, it's a, a therapy that eradicates trauma phobias, uh, past bad experiences, but as well, it's really, really effective with uh, every everyday emotions. And so basically, you know, we all, we're all up and down, you know, most, uh, most days, but, you know, if we're feeling, you know, angry or sad or hurt, maybe someone said something to us, havening has the ability to actually remove those unhelpful feelings where, you know, when you even go back to try and feel angry or try to feel frustrated or try to feel that hurt, it's just gone. It's absolutely the most magical therapy, I believe, you know, to date. It's really changing people's lives because we're what people are able to do, you know, when something bad happens throughout the day, you know, how we hoard those bad feelings and we, you know, keep going over in our head if someone says something to us. Now with havening, you can actually remove it. So you can get on with your day and obviously be more productive. So it's a fantastic, fantastic therapy. And of course, Monique, we did it, didn't we? I, we had a session and you, you found it very, very beneficial. Yeah, yeah. It, it was beautiful. It really, I could feel it instantly, um, instantly. Uh, it, it was remarkable how it just shifted um, that old thought belief in myself. And I also was, um, I also love that you're able to use it with your children and your teaching as well. And I, I think that that is definitely part of the new paradigm is being able to use these type of modalities alongside whatever else the child needs. Like if they need to learn reading that day, great, but how else can you support them? Okay. I can support them emotionally with havening. I think it's just so brilliant, you know, that they go hand in hand as well with that as well. And you've had a lot of success stories around that as well. I, I know. So. And children love it. And, you know, I had one little girl a couple of years ago and she was really, really afraid of the dark. And, uh, and, you know, she had a few problems as well, you know, within the family. And so she didn't really want to do anything. She came and I said, listen, I said, how would it feel? I said, not to be, not to have to be afraid of the dark. And she said, well, that would feel great. She said, but you know, I felt afraid for so long. And I said, well, so I said, that's a special way. I said that maybe we can take that fear away. And I love this little girl. She was amazing. And I, you know, I knew her because I'd had her about 18 months at that point. Um, and yeah, so we did the havening and like we did the visualization and, you know, she'd go into her bedroom and, you know, just being okay with the dark. And we did the process, you know, the havening process. And yeah, and her dad texted me that night and he said she just walked in her bedroom. Yes, she wanted the door left ajar, but there were no lights on and she actually settled and just went to sleep. And when she came back, you know, the following Tuesday, she said, you're not going to believe it. And I said, Dad texted me. She said, oh, I wanted to tell you myself. So anyway, but yeah, so she was really, really happy that, you know, because she was really, really full of fear. But yeah, so yeah, and I've had lo loads and loads of situations like that. Yeah. Yeah, I really love that. Thank you for sharing that wisdom with us as well. 
And I'm so grateful to have connected with you um, both and connected with uh, you, Gemma, and your beautiful, um, powerful parent project. And I'm so grateful that you're here to serve parents and to use your own, I guess, struggle and change that into a power and to help to help other people. That's so magnificent. So what we'll do is we'll be placing all of our... Um, yeah, our links and things in the offering um, section below. And just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in to our podcast. And you're welcome to join our group, A New Paradigm of Education, as well. It's a collaboration of educators and parents across the world, all interested in the same conversation of what is a new paradigm of education. So, yeah, thank you so much, Trudy Keating, and thank you so much, Gemma White. Thank you very much, Monique, for inviting me. It's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you. have been ones outdoors they have um they they have the subject that they're learning but the children get to choose how they learn it um very very visual uh, very interactive um and i believe that um schools i think some schools have started but i think it's still a long way off and in i think the new paradigm is i think it's including everybody and Allowing children to have success, but not necessarily on the academic side of things, because I think uh, children go through school thinking that, that their self-worth is basically how well they do academically. But there are children that have so many strengths and talents and it's not recognised and then they don't feel like they've ever achieved anything. So more opportunities for children to achieve and to be successful that isn't related to academic. That gives them then a chance to feel great about who they are and what they have to offer as well. And yeah. that's when every child counts. I agree 100%. I love that. And I think the word success and achievement also um are the old paradigm as well right so it's more like how can we just allow them to be and in that self that is the success isn't it without needing it to be measured like a world without measurement would be just brilliant like <laughs> not needing to fit into any type of criteria or measurement like um like that was created it's just so restricting isn't it you know um yeah children need constant compliments as well because once they reach that level of of confidence you know it takes a lot to knock it but you know i mean compliments are free you know compliments are free compliments are free yeah right so you know get the child you know feeling absolutely fantastic about who they are and then they want to do you know they, they want to do whatever you know is asked of them but you know they need some control over that as well, for sure, um, and listen to as well. But, yeah. I love that. Um, so I wanted to ask Gemma a little bit more before we, before we wrap up um, about your uh, powerful parent project. Was there anything else that you wanted to share to us um, or tell parents about the project that could help them in some way? Yes, um, in the group, um, I'm, this month, I'm starting to run a, a small parent 
Zoom mastermind. I've called it a mastermind because it's a collaboration of great minds. So all parents are amazing educators in their own right and full of knowledge that they don't necessarily realize that can help other other parents. Um, and each month I will have a guest, I say guest expert, somebody that can come in um, to, to give advice, answer questions. And um, this is something I want to be doing every month because although I have people in my group over Facebook, it, it's kind of, um, you don't really get to know people and I want to get to know my members and also would like members to get to know each other. And um, it's not all about me helping. Um, I do have one-to-one um, -one support package. I have individual one-to-one -one sessions with me, but it's also about 